Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These guys are ridiculous. These guys are ridiculous. Now, how about them damn Celtics? And we are back with another episode of How About Them Celtics. Sam and I are here recording on Saturday, December 9th. We're still in Vegas. This is our last full day there, our last night there, I should say. Uh, day after the Celtics win over the New York Knicks. If you want our thoughts on that, go check out the channel. You can see our full thoughts on game there. Uh, we're here for a full pot. It's weird. Like the Celtics schedule kind of like flips back and forth of, you know, these two weeks, the game recaps are in the full pods and then they're not because the game switch and we're in the cycle of, Games not in the full pods, which for this week is actually making it easier because there's a little bit less editing on my end. Um, but yeah, without further ado, let's uh let's pick a winner for in pop nito, shall we? We get get the wheel ready, get the wheel ramped up and ready to go. A lot of knockoff expensive in pop nitos here in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. all of them nothing, inferior. Nothing like the real thing, but five entries today. Let's see who's winning themselves some really cool popcorn or a gift card to win some popcorn. You want to comment on the videos, say what's pop and get yourself in the drawing because $10 will get you a free bag and you can pick from over 60. Nathan, Nathan, Mommy, you win some in pop Nito. We'll get in touch with you after we finish recording here uh, and get your information through an email and we'll get you your gift card. Congratulations, sir. Uh, let's uh, let's keep, keep rolling here. Let's, let's dive right in to the first Celtics thing that we have today, which is Jalen Brown discussing his ejection. So Jalen Brown was ejected from the Knicks game last night. Sam and I were watching uh, here in Vegas, and we, we kind of missed it. And that's because yes. it happened in like two seconds. Jalen Brown. And got there wasn't like a big thing that actually happened. No. Jalen Brown was upset at a call. He complained, went to the bench, then he kind of waved off the refs. He said, no, you got it wrong. And then they uh, then they ejected him. And <laughs> he was very mad after the game. Um, he spoke about it. He said, to be honest, uh, I'm not sure when asked, excuse me, why he was tossed. But I wish I got my money's worth. I always thought my first career ejection would be something a little more exciting. Maybe a tussle or something. Guys get folded up, go to the ground. Not some over-emotional ref who had a bad day. <laughs> what I'm most upset about is I should have gotten my fucking money's worth. Uh, lame. <laughs> very lame that he got ejected. Very lame indeed. It was just a very soft ejection. We've seen a lot of those in the NBA this year. You've seen the referees get very defensive, especially over the last week or so. You saw just last night alone, Jamal Murray also ejected. Steve Kerr and Dagnall in the Thunder Warriors game tossed double ejection there. The referees uh, need to be put into check. They, They really are not keeping a very respectable standard because well, you see all these guys getting tossed for nothing. You'll also see a video surface of, let's say, LeBron jumping around like a maniac because he didn't get a kicked ball violation. But Jalen Brown gets tossed for a brief back and forth with the official or Tatum claps at an official and gets attacked or Tatum. What did he even do? Double back at the official last time when he got tossed? Yeah, it was nothing near as demonstrative as what we see some of these other players do. Yet it's still resulting in ejections. You're still seeing guys have to pay 
tremendous fines because they are violating or getting texts. It's all ridiculous. And after the game, Joe Missoula had some stuff to say along those lines as well. Uh, Jay King posted it on Twitter. Reads, Joe Missoula seemed to believe that Jalen Brown getting his first tech for saying, quote unquote, weak ass shit was, in fact, weak ass shit. I've been on the sidelines in the NBA for years, said Missoula. I've seen players act and say things that are way more disrespectful than that. Shout out to LeBron, who had a temper tantrum at the Garden last January and got absolutely nothing. Not even a tech. It wasn't ejected, but didn't even get a single tech. No tech at all. Sorry, my dad just texted me in Providence seeing Burt Kersher. Uh, oh, Kersher, he's at, he's at the AMP tonight. Yeah. I was texting him back. I'm jealous. <laughs> Is he going with Henry or, or any of the no, family? No, I think he's going with uh, Jen, his girlfriend. Um, nice. I believe. But yeah, uh, sorry. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, Joe Missoula, not wrong. Weak ass shit. Uh, Jalen Brown didn't get, deserve to get ejected. What do you think it is this season? Like, do, do you think refs just like are clamping down more? Do you think they're just more emotional? Like, because it seems ridiculous this year. You mentioned Murray, Steve Kerr, and and Daniel, uh, Mark Daniel, uh, Tatum got ejected. Chris Tops has fucking eight techs already in the year, and he's missed a, t- a certain amount of games. Like, I just don't get it. Right? Like, like what 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 is your thought process on why these guys are just getting the boot? Like every other game, it feels like. I don't know. It's it's a strange trend. You heard before this season that they wanted to clap down on the uh, flopping and hand out text for that. They haven't done that, but instead they have completely wrapped and put a stranglehold on player behavior, except there's no real like laid out threshold for how they're <laughs> no. supposed to act or what's supposed to be a tech and what's not a tech. Like, I think the general understanding is if you wave off a call, it's a tech. But I don't know if waving off a call like this or this or whatever should be an ejection. I think that's really soft. And then there are things like Joe Mazzulla said that are far worse than what Jalen did, and it's nothing, and it's allowed. I mean, even if you don't want to talk about LeBron, right? LeBron is just the easiest one because that's burned into my brain. And I, At the time, I couldn't believe it wasn't a technical. Draymond yeah. Green acts like – a freak out there. He does what Jalen did probably five or six times a game and gets nothing. And it's because his bar is so high for what is out of the ordinary for him to do that he's allowed to do more. So he's rewarded for having a poor track record and poor behavior. How is that fair to somebody like Jalen, who traditionally is not a very vociferous, Jesus Christ, vociferous person. He's not somebody that's going to demean the officials. He usually doesn't complain very much. Tatum's the complainer. Grant Williams was the complainer. Not Jalen. Yet Jalen gets a really, really short leash. Why? What has he shown that's a high risk for him acting like that? You're not at risk for anything. If he's acting like that, he's probably right. Is that why it's cutting so deep? Is because you got mm-hmm. somebody that's not usually someone to speak up about calls or complain or make a scene to do so? And you know you're really wrong. Is that it? Is it a defense mechanism? When Should LeBron does it, no. I mean, you just like okay, it's another day. He's just upset, or Draymond, mm. or any, or Tatum, a- any of them. Should Tex get taken back if it is revealed that the player was correct? Yes, I okay. think so. 
Yes. I, I think it depends on the level of the tech. Like I think Jalen's tech, yes. If you're running up to the ref with a camera and being an asshole like that, maybe not. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think it depends on the level, but like Jalen Brown going up and arguing the call for too long when he's right. And I, I don't know the call that he got teched up for, but like <clears throat> I don't know. I, I I'm not a fan with the way stuff's being officiated this season. I think Tatum historically has complained too much and we've talked about it, but it feels like a lot of his texts this year have been weak too. I don't know. He's he's gotten the weak tech for a while now. He was ejected or he teched up for clapping last year. KD tweeted about it when it happened. He was like, that's the craziest tech I've ever seen. When you have somebody that's just watching a game as a viewer it, that's also in the league tweeting about your tech being bad, red flag for the officials. Very, very poor showing from them. Yeah. I agree. I, I just I'm trying to think of like why? Like, what sparked it this year? Because it truly does feel like it's worse this year than it has been in a while. And I don't really understand it. Um, sucks for Jalen. And, I mean, Tatum said the same thing when he got ejected. He goes, I wish I got my money's worth. I wish I complained more because I don't think I should have gotten ejected. Tatum goes, I wasn't that fucking mad. I don't know. Like, don't know what I happened. wasn't mad. I swear. Yeah, literally. Don't put it in the papers that I was mad. But uh, next thing we got uh, is Christoph Porzingis, who certainly isn't mad that he is in Boston because, uh, as Sam likes to say, he's the rescue puppy. Uh Christoph's Porzingis. Celtics gave him a loving home. <laughs> that they did. He's uh, no longer uh, the uh, malnourished dog, hoping <laughs> that the owner will feed him, aka uh, pass him the ball while he stands there. Shout out to Luca. It's Christoph's entire career is the Sarah McLaughlin commercials with the in the arms of the. That'd angels. be terrible. Yeah, Christoph's has just been sitting there, sad puppy for the commercials. Now he's he's in like the. Dog food commercials where the dog's actually real happy because they're getting their treat. <laughs> Poor guy. He's back, though. He, he's good. He's in, a, he's in a safe space. He's with the Celtics. He's hanging out. Uh, and he was on the J.J. Reddick podcast. We talked about him talking about his time in Dallas, his relationship with Luka and why it failed. This time around, <clears throat> he talked about why he chose the Celtics because, yes, Kristaps was traded, but it was kind of like free agency for him because he could have just, you know, declined an option. He could have signed somewhere, right? But it was like, Let's get let's get somebody he likes. So Reddit goes, <clears throat> my understanding uh, is your exit from Washington was definitely a trade, but it was literally a little bit of free agency as well, where you had a couple of deals on the table and you would get traded and sign an extension. You took less money to come to Boston. <clears throat> what was it about this opportunity in Boston that made you want to do it? And this is what Kristoff said. I knew my game would fit well in JT, JT with JB, JT, and the guys that were here. Uh, also said, you know, when asked about, you know, there's more pressure here. Is that what you want? He goes, I uh, or no about playing in a big city is what he was asked. He goes, I got a taste of it when I was in New York. That was one of the biggest stages you can play on. And I enjoyed it so much. Honestly, it was more about being on a team where I could actually win. Winning is more important uh, than about being in the biggest market. But if you can combine those two, then it's even better. And then, uh, like I mentioned about the pressure that is being put on him, he goes, that's what I wanted. I wanted the challenge. My last year in Dallas, the year before I got traded, I didn't have the best playoff series. We got kicked out in the first round. Now I'm like, okay, I have to prove to everybody that I can play on a playoff team or a championship caliber team and remind everybody that that can happen. Here I am. Just the idea of that challenge was like, that is what I want. And so respect to Kristaps. Glad that he decided to come to the Celtics. He's obviously made a huge impact. And it, it, it's cool to hear some of the reasons why he wanted to come to Boston. Yeah, I mean, he is finally getting a chance to contribute to a winning team. The Celtics entered the season as one of the title favorites, and then they got Drew Holiday, and then they really became the favorite. Uh, when they traded for Chris Stops, they were still amongst that, and you know his decision to join the team came right after they were almost in the finals again for the second time in two years. 
And it was clear that they could use some extra help because they just weren't able to get over the finish line. Their playoffs, as far as they went in the playoffs, it was still a dreadful watch. It was an underwhelming performance overall. So it was clear that they could use a boost. From a player's perspective, that's almost a perfect situation. You're able to join a winning team. The team is clearly flawed, and you have the opportunity to be the quote-unquote missing piece and really win over uh, a lot of casual fans, whether they're in the fan base or just league-wide, because the narrative will become, wow, Kristaps Porzingis really moves the needle for the Celtics. And it's continued to be that narrative this season because when he went out, things stalled a bit. They had a couple weird wins, bad loss to the Pacers in a game they really could have finished off, and they didn't. He's got an opportunity to really, really cement himself as a star in Boston. The fans really like him. His personality's great. His attitude's great. He's rubbed everyone in the correct way instead of the wrong way, like uh, other players that have come here, maybe have worn 11. I just wonder where you're going with that. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, good start to Porzingis' tenure in Boston. And, he really just fits well beside Tatum and Brown. He doesn't need the ball a whole lot to be effective. He's someone that can play very much into the flow of the game. It's awesome. He's he's the perfect fit. He's someone that is getting rewarded for his lack of neediness, and the fan base loves it. He loves it. The team loves it. The team's been successful. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I agree. I couldn't agree more. I mean, we talked about it even before the season. This dude has not stopped smiling since he got on the team. True. He's just one big grin. One big grin. One big, yeah, man, it's fucking great. He's just like, I'm always open. You know, these guys. He's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I don't see doubles every time up the floor. Or, uh, oh, my God, uh, I don't have to play next to Melo or Luka Doncic and watch them dribble. (laughs) Like, we were watching the Knicks. We were watching the Knicks game last night, and it was a lot of, oh, go here, go here. And then they get Kristaps in the post on uh, at the free throw line on a smaller defender. And and I remember Sam just going, oh, no, yeah, that's the right play. Because then he would literally – this is him. He gets the ball, turn around, and just, like, flicks it up in the air. Like, there's no, there's no wasted motion. It's so it, effortless for him. It, it's never a force. No. Almost every single look that you see Porzingis take is a good look. He's the perfect insert for uh, safety net purposes guy ever. I love it. I love to watch it. 
I have faith every time he shoots the ball. It looks like he's taking a good look. There's never any dribble, dribble, step back kind of plays from him. Very rarely you're like, damn, he probably should have moved that. It usually doesn't happen. Yeah. I mean, he's a good mover without the ball. Mm-hmm. All this is, I mean, we've, we've talked about it into the ground, but like, it is truly incredible how he's helped develop Jalen Brown's game. Like he's completely changed the way he, he's played. Like we did a whole video on the two man game. I wrote about the two man game with Jake Kissenberger first to the floor. It, it, it is one of the biggest storylines of the Celtic season. And now you're seeing it translate into Jalen Brown being able to make plays for others, which is something like a lot of people got on him for over the years for not, not being able to do. Um, and so to hear him saying, you know, the way I play with JT, the way I play with JP, I, I do want to see him, do some of that with JT more often though. Cause it doesn't seem like he plays with J- JT like that as much. And I mean, as much as Jalen Brown and him have developed this awesome chemistry, if it's that good with JB probably going to be pretty good with Tatum too. Right. Like I, I would just, I just like to see it a little bit, you know what I'm saying? Just a little bit more than we have, <clears throat> but I think it's a good point. I mean, Tatum with the ball in the pick and roll is a major threat. He can shoot, he can drive. He has the vision to not only hit the roll man, but to hit whoever the rotation leaves open. He's done a great job at adjusting and doing that this season and over the past couple seasons. It's what's helped him go to the next level, and it's what we're seeing Jalen Brown start to dip his toe into to help hit, bring his game to the next level. So all of these things, along with Porzingis' ability to be the role man, to be the pop, to relocate to the correct spot without the ball, makes the top of this team so much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean – not enough good things can be said about Porzingis this season. He's he's truly been, I would argue, the most impactful player in terms of how they've played year to year. Like he's, he's completely changed the way they play offense. He's great on the defensive side, too. His presence inside, we saw them really miss it uh, over those few games. And a, another piece that you talked about a lot, like his passing, that dude can find guys. Like he, he'll be getting it in the high post and he'll kick it all the way to the corner. Like he 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 is somebody that, I know you said they should use him like Jokic more. Like that is the dangerous tool to have with him, especially for for zone breaking purposes once the playoffs come around. <clears throat> but uh, okay, next thing we have is a former Celtic who who we both love, who we tried to get on the podcast for years, uh, never worked out. <clears throat> Isaiah Thomas is eyeing an NBA return. This is per Matt Issa of Forbes. Uh, Thomas was talking about his NBA aspirations, said, I'm still trying to play the game of basketball. I want to get back in the NBA, so I'm still working out, and I'm still staying ready. Now, I I just, I just don't see if it's going to happen. Like, I, I would love it, and I, I do think he can bring something to a team, but unfortunately, I feel like the line of let's sign Isaiah Thomas versus let's just take a chance on a young guy is, you know what I'm saying? Like, what, te- what team do you think could use Isaiah Thomas right now, genuinely? Off the top of my head, it's really hard because when we really go through and we're like, well, where could Peyton Pritchard go and be an impact player? It's kind of hard to say, and Pritchard has five inches on Isaiah Thomas. He's at the prime of his career in terms of his physical abilities. His body should be at the peak it will ever be. Isaiah's in his 30s now. He's not at that stage of his playing career, and – he's going to get picked every single time down the floor on defense as the target. It's one thing that hurt him when he was at the top of his game. When the Celtics were the one seed teams targeted him every chance they got in the playoffs. It made things very hard on the Celtics. He's somebody that just kind of got screwed by the way 
the skill level of almost everybody on the floor has risen. Just about everybody can handle the ball now. Everybody can drive. Everyone can create. Everyone can play make. They don't need a guard per se anymore. It just there's really not a lot of guys under six feet in the league. How many players in the league right now are under six feet and playing substantial? Look that up probably right like now. zero. I can look that I, up right now. That's actually I don't know idea. how you find it, but I mean, just I trying to think. It. Ish Smith, how tall is Ish Smith? Six feet, six one. Van Fleet, six, six feet. Uh, okay, let's see. If I go to bios and sort by height, <clears throat> there are currently two players in the NBA that are sub six foot. Uh, one is Marquise Noel, who is on the Raptors, who murdered the G League. Uh, he was very good. And then Jacob Gilliard, who played against the Celtics on the Grizzlies because they've had a ton yes. of injuries. <clears throat> they, Jacob Gilliard is 5'8", and Marquise Noel is 5'7". So they are significantly shorter seven's crazy um i'm pretty sure marquise noel has played well in his i know he played really well in the summer league now i'm curious about g league <clears throat> he has played in four g league games averaging 16 points four rebounds 8.2 assists 1.2 steals 42 percent from the field 38 and a half percent from three um this is just me going on a small tangent because i was curious because i know he played well in summer league summer league um 12 points, 6.8 assists, three rebounds. Didn't actually shoot particularly well, but he had a couple, <coughs> excuse me, a couple big games. Um, but your point stands. There just aren't players that short anymore. And even looking at the players who are listed at six foot, it's like it, it's either you are a significant rotation player because you're good or you're kind of falling out. Like Aaron Holiday, not really getting minutes. Chris Paul is a legend, like legend, obviously good play. Davion Mitchell, out of the Kings rotation right now. Fred Van Fleet, significant minutes. Ish Smith. Kind of plays a little bit. Jordan McLaughlin kind of plays a little bit. Jose Alvarado, Kyle Lowry, Mike Conley. Like they are like like talent. You see it there. They can shoot. They can do things. They've been in the league a while otherwise. So it's like they're kind of grandfathered in. <laughs> exactly. Most of the it people that you brought up that actually get minutes are grandfathered into the league. The mm. only exception is Ish Smith, who's been around a while and just hasn't ever really stuck anywhere. He's grandfathered in too. He's great. He's, he's grandfathered he's in, but he's not he's still not like eating up a ton of minutes. Like Lamelo is in a different That's way. Part of why he's, yeah, yeah. When when you say grandfathered in, I I more mean like they've built up a good enough reputation where teams will sign them. Like sure. like that that yeah. is what I'm That's thinking, of. and that is what Smith is. Um, yeah, I mean these new guys, it's very hard for them to impress teams as they come into the league. And I guess you could say Isaiah should be uh, grandfathered in too, but he's been out of the league. Why would you go after Isaiah? This is a full circle speech, but. Why would you go after him if you can take a 6'2", 6'3", guard that you might want to develop? I don't always love the you have to develop every single guy. You have to burn roster spots on developmental guys. But in that case, it doesn't feel like you're going to get enough to where it's worth bringing him on. And I love Isaiah. I would love to have him up on the Celtics to be an end-of-the-bench guy and kind of have him ride along for the potential title run that they could put together this year. I think he kind of deserves the nod like for his service here for a couple of years. But aside from that, it's really hard to make an argument from a real basketball standpoint. And for what it's worth, a lot of those guys we mentioned, uh, Jose Alvarado, Mike Conley, Kyle Lowry, like Fred Van Fleet even, not great defenders, but they're like, they're the guys that will try. They're the guys that will scrap. They will do all the little things to like make, be a pest on that side of the floor. Let me read you some free agents right now at the point guard position. Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Goran Dragic, DJ Augustine. You know, you know what I'm saying. 
right? Like, so like there, there is. You don't a, really a, think of those things when you think of those guys. Exactly. Right. Like th- there are certain guys who can be small and also make an impact. The guys that are free agents are probably the guys that aren't going to play much defense. Like, like Austin, I mean, Austin Rivers is, is plays some defense, but he's not even in the league, right? Terrence Davis isn't on a team right now. Will Barton isn't in the league right now, right? Michael Carter Williams, Trey Burke. You know, those two guys are on the Capitans now. Michael Carter Williams, Trey Burke, Quantus Gano Anderson, all on the Capitans with Kenneth Farid. What an absolute <laughs> hoss of a G League team to be able to go yeah. watch if you live in Mexico City. Shout Quantus Gano Anderson from Mexico, too. So he's, he's, that's, that's a fun, that's fun. I, I think it's fun. Um, conclusion, don't really, think Isaiah's gonna make a return. It just I don't just don't think it's in the cards anymore. How old is Isaiah Thomas right now? 33, 34, drafted 34. in 2011. It's been 13 seasons. 34 turns 35 February 7th. I just I just don't see it happening. These small like, guys also just don't last as long. I mean just look at Emma. Kemba Walker. He's six feet perfect. He's he's playing in Europe and he's averaging like three points. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't have anymore. When you lose your athleticism you lose your burst there's not other ways you can impact the game. That's your whole uh, like card to get into the league. It's your whole ticket. You don't have it. Yeah. At least with like somebody like a big guy, Al Horford, he's not playing out of the post and dominating and, and impacting the game that way anymore. But he can sit out there and shoot threes and then play defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just don't see it happening. I, 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 if I'm him, I'm getting into the coaching instead because I think he'd be a good coach somewhere. He's got the the personality for it, but um, all right, let's save the other thing we had and get into the emails and rock on if that's good with you. Yes. Mm. All right, cool. Let's get into the emails. <clears throat> Let me mark the timestamp here. It's it sucks because I only have one monitor, and so I'm trying to like flip, flip back suck. and forth. Um, <laughs> Having to do this on a laptop versus the the home setup is not, as, not easy as easy for uh, putting the show together. <clears throat> not as easy, but we got two emails today. What's popping? Make sure to comment what's popping on this podcast um, if you'd like to get yourself a chance to win some popcorn. Also, forgot to mention this at the start just briefly. We might be trying some new thumbnails. So if you are a loyal listener, which most loyal listeners do listen to this point, make sure to check our page at How About Them Celtics for the videos every day. Uh, or just the, the thumbnails might look different when they pop up in your your YouTube home screen. So just just a heads up. We're still posting every day. We just might try some things. Get the views rolling a little bit. You know, get the, get the casuals in here. Help help us out a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> from RJ, what's popping a day in the life? Welcome to the West Coast time, guys. I hope your bodies have adjusted by now, or at least you've caught up on your sleep. On the first Vegas pod, Jack mentioned another podcast he had to compete uh, complete before he had any hope of resting in. Uh, it made me curious. We in HBTC land see the finished product. You two young, hip, professional sports nerds put out. But that's the only the tip of the iceberg. What do your average workday schedules look like? That's it for now. Be well. Enjoy Vegas. Be kind to the city's workers in turning down their offers and stay hydrated. Tomato juice is great for that. I've got my water here. Don't you worry about it. Yeah, hey, I got, um, got my damn seltzer water. It's saving my life. <laughs> Day in the life for work. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go? Yeah, so when I work, I work hybrid. So when I'm at home, it's flexible. I can kind of do some stuff. Uh, if if we need to do Celtics work, it's easier. Um, but in the middle of the week, I'll go in. Uh, so I have to get up early to exercise and all that. Get up at like 5, go in. 9 to 5, work. Come home, play basketball, and then uh, either do the pod or do the pregame and then watch games. If the game's on, then we got to roll after. It's a very like tight knit 
next thing, next thing, next thing kind of schedule. It's not a lot of free time, not a lot of breathing room. Yeah, I mean, so for me, I all my work is freelance. So I write for Celtics blog. I write for Bulls Wire of USA Today, Spurs Wire of USA Today, and Pacers, which is 8.9 seconds. Um, 8.9 seconds, I should say, for fan-sided. So for me, I stay up late, wake up late, but that's needed so I can cover the late games. I try to do... It's been hard because of Vegas and, and like the Celtics schedule, but I try to do at least like what one, two, three, or like four to eight articles a day um, across all the sites. Um, uh, we record obviously whenever my schedule is more flexible. So whenever Sam gets home, we rock. And then I usually, so for shorter pods, so like the videos, daily videos, those usually take like 20 minutes to max. No, usually around 20 minutes to edit and get uploading. The longer pods usually take about an hour because it's a lot of timestamps and, and, and the finding those and then uploading and uploading the audio as well, <clears throat> making the thumbnail. Um, past that, it's just like if there's a Celtics game, it gets more difficult or practice or stuff because I, I go into the game uh, at like three ish and getting back at like 1.30 a.m. And if there's practice, if it's like say it's an 11 o'clock practice, I'll leave my house at 10 and I won't get back to like through 2:33, 3:30, then we rock and then we record and then I write articles. So it's pretty like my schedule is definitely more flexible, flexible, but there's still a lot going on. It just depends on when I get the chance to do it. So, <clears throat> yeah. Thank you for the question. <laughs> uh, all right, next thing from RJ. What's popping? That's more like it, except for the ejection. Uh, this was after the Celtics next games. Evening, guys. Fun game tonight in spite of the rabbit-eared ref. Tonight didn't feel like a strategy field win, but more of a case where the team felt comfortable with each other. Porzingis looked really good to start, and everyone was flowing together into the game. It wasn't a case of extraordinary passes or highlight real plays. More like a, uh, nearly 48 minutes of guys playing solid basketball with one off one another. Uh, off of one another, sorry. White, Brown, and Holiday had more blocks between them, four, than turnovers, three. <clears throat> Keeping the turnovers down kept the Celtics in the fl flow of their games on both sides of the ball. Drew had maybe his most efficient offensive night as a Celtic, and Derek White continues to be the most one hundred, most amazing 101st best player in the NBA. Plain and simple. Heck, the Celtics even took a break from the third quarter blues tonight, increasing their lead from 9 to 14 points. Championship teams build the habits that get them in the habit of winning games, no matter who was stepping up at a particular time. Tonight's game felt like what champions do in mid-December, just win and move on. Be well, RJ. I agree for the most part. I think there were some slip-ups in there. Late in the third quarter, they slipped up a little, and it felt like the Knicks were hanging on just a bit too close for comfort throughout the fourth, but the Celtics did manage to keep them at bay, making some solid offensive plays and defensive plays. I, I was happy with the, with the bounce-back win outside of the ejection, like you said. Nobody loves to play like fire quite like the Celtics do. I think the Knicks got it to, what, seven or eight at one point in the fourth quarter. It was a little bit too close, like you said. Um, I will say this to RJ's point. Them actually winning a third quarter, and they really won it by more points because for a while there they had a big lead. They were up, what, 20? They pushed it to 20? Much better. I mean, it's really not that hard. I don't know why there is a hang-up in the third quarter, why they can not seem to figure out how to build a lead regularly. There are so many situations this year they've made it either too hard on themselves or just hard enough that they lose where it's, it's frustrating. I mean, Monday's loss to the Pacers that kept them out of Vegas come out in the third quarter and absolutely melt. I think they lost by – Double digits, at least 14 off the top of my head. 
they just have to be better. Championship level teams yeah. playing in mid December. To your point, yes, like the next game, good example. Monday's game, not so much. They look like a team that's not ready to compete in the big, the big stage, because they were on a semi-big stage and they melted. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I thought it was good progress. <clears throat> I thought the game was solid. Like you said, just felt like a good, solid win in the middle of December. Win, move on, quell the Knicks, 3-0 in the season series. Sorry, Andrew. Um, <clears throat> all right, let's jump over to the NBA section. Uh, 30-38 as a market for the timestamp purposes. Uh, let's check in with the standings. We briefly mentioned when we were talking about the Jalen ejection that the Warriors-Thunder game got a little bit wild because of the ejection, but the Thunder did end up winning the game and winning us, almost winning us some money, I should say. Uh, we lost. We, <laughs> had, late... we had plus uh, minus three and a half, and they were up four, and the Warriors did a layup at the buzzer and mm-hmm. kind of fucked us because it was a meaningless play. <clears throat> yep. Yep. Uh, Timberwolves have won six in a row. They are the best team in the NBA at 17 and four. Celtics are at 16 and five uh, in second place. Thunder, Mavs up there in the standings in the West as well um, at 14 and seven, 13 and eight. Nuggets at 14 and nine, as are the Lakers. Um, They're right there in it. Kings, two at 12 and eight. Uh, that's really the pretty solidified top six. Then it's the Suns at 12 and 10. Um, East, Magic Bucks tied at two and three at 15 and seven. Uh, the Sixers have gotten back on track a little bit at 14 and seven Pacers at 12 and eight. Now they've won three in a row as they cruise through the in season tournament. They're playing that game tonight, which we'll talk about because we haven't watched it yet, but we will. And we'll jump back in uh, Cavaliers uh, won three in a row, figuring it out at 13 and nine Knicks on a little bit of a skid lost two. Uh, bulls have actually won four games in a row. And Sam, what's the constant in that four games uh, addition by subtraction. They don't have Zach Levine out there self-sabotaging the bulls. So when you give your guys an opportunity after they've been, uh, what is the word? Not um, what the, it starts with an S. Suffocated, suffocated mm. for a while with shot selection and not really having the correct opportunities, and then they are actually free to play the way they are comfortable playing. It does wonders for the Bulls, and it also gives the Bulls a little bit to think about. It's like, well. Which of these guys do we actually want to keep? Like, who who's actually going to be a part of our future here in Chicago? And the answer is not Zach Levine and probably not Tamar DeRozan, even though I think DeRozan has been a part of a couple of these wins. But overall, if you're a Bulls fan, you have to be excited because you're actually seeing some glimmers of hope from the players that you drafted that really, for the most part, haven't panned out the way you'd hoped. And they've brought you to four straight wins. So good for you. Levine listed out uh, for almost a month in the yep, you know, down the line, three to four weeks. They're four and one without Levine in the lineup. Yeah, big shock there. Who could have told you that guy sucks? <laughs> um, looking at the rest, Hornets just won a game. They're seven and 13. They're pretty on par with the Bulls and the Raptors, but the Raptors and Hawks have both lost, th- lost three in a row. Excuse me. He would have lost one. They're 12 and 10. Uh, bottom of the West, meanwhile, Rockets 10 and 9. They did just beat the Nuggets in Denver, though. Their first road win of the season, <clears throat> the Nuggets' first uh, home loss of the season. Pelicans lost one, six and four in the last 10. Warriors still fumbling 10 and 12, four yeah. and six in their last 10. Jazz are seven and 15. The Grizzlies and the Timberwolves both at six and 15. Grizzlies four and six in their last 10, which is somehow better than where they were at before. Um, Clippers have won three. They're 11 and 10. They're pretty average. But <clears throat> the real story, Sam. 
is the Wizards, the Pistons, and the Spurs. <laughs> because I believe was it who who posted this out? Was it Brick Muse? Brick Muse. I think they're one, a combined one in forty nine over the past month or so. One in forty eight. One in forty eight. And the only win amongst the bunch is when Washington and Detroit matched up against each other. So that was an automatic win for the group. Aside from that, they have literally lost every single game. Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma cannot lead this team to anything hopeful. The Pistons continue to just kind of flop around and act like fish out of water. Monty Williams apparently stuck in his ways and not willing to change after getting the bag. And then uh, the Wemby-led Spurs not doing a whole lot, sadly. Who'd they lose? They lost to Chicago yesterday. Yeah. Bad. Very bad. Um, 19 games in a row is crazy. <clears throat> like, what is the longest losing streak in NBA history? It's got to be you know? that uh, process Sixers team that went t- for the Bobcats. Well, the Bobcats had a short season. True. I don't see it. Can I find this? Is Stat News not going to help me out there? I think it's 30, is the 30 something games. I believe you. <clears throat> 28 games. Sixers. 28 games. 16, 15, 16. Or wait. Okay, wait. 28 games from the end of the 15, 16 season through the start of the 16, 17 season. That's across two seasons. In a single season. What is the longest one? <clears throat> 26. So. They're cooking. They're getting could, could hey, be listen, approaching history. That's what I'm saying. They might be losing. However, they are about to make history. Pistons are the first team to lose 20 of their first 22 games since the 15-16 Sixers. They are on par with the 15-16 Sixers. <clears throat> wow. That is uh that's kind of, it's impressive. It's impressive. Got a trot beaten out there to save the season. I would uh, uh I would I would love Pete. Uh, all right, let's. Um, so we're recording the bulk of this before the in season tournament game between the Lakers and the Pacers, but we do want to talk about it just for a couple minutes at least. So we are going to throw it over to our future selves to cover that game very briefly right now. All right, we are back after the in season tournament finals, where the Lakers took down the Pacers. Uh, it's still going on right now. There's two minutes left, but the Lakers are up thirteen. So we decided to come up here and record because, well, the Pacers are cooked. The game's over. Uh, they just couldn't do it. Anthony Davis killed him on the glass. He killed them scoring. LeBron James got whatever he wanted. Miles Turner fouled out. Tyrus Halliburton was fine, but they blitzed him on every possession. And no, no one else on the Pacers decided to give him much help. Benedict Matherin and Aaron Neesmith had 18 and 15, respectively. It doesn't matter when Anthony Davis has 39 points and 20 rebounds. LeBron has 24 and Austin Reese has 24 off the bench. Lakers win the first ever in-season tournament in the NBA Cup, and the Pacers fall short, and uh, Sam is very mad. Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse tournament. Um, Pacers really got a lot of poor performances across the board. Miles Turner not very good on either end of the floor, 3 of 11. Um, They relied heavily on him to try and defend Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis went off. Um, not enough shots for Halliburton. I mean, I'm not going to break this down like a Celtics game, but listen, the one takeaway from this is the Lakers shot 13 threes and made two of them and are about to blow them out. 
yeah, that'll do it. <laughs> I mean, it was just it was just not a very good game from from the the Pacers. They couldn't keep them out of the paint. Lakers got whatever they wanted, and uh, I, I, mean, I don't really have any more thoughts. Uh, I just it sucks to see Pacers go out like this. I was rooting for the Pacers; they're a fun team. Tyler Halliburton's cool. You wish they would have brought a little more juice to the finals, but the Lakers came to play. They've been trying really hard all tournament. They've obviously wanted this, uh, and it ended up working out well for them. So tough, but that, that's the way the cookie crumbles sometimes, I guess. I, I mean, we don't have to go too long on this. Any final thoughts you got? Um, the fuck was I going to say? <laughs> I don't even remember. Um, no, I don't know. I don't remember what I was going to say. Right. <laughs> that's all right. Well, important. In that case, we'll kick it back over to our past selves for the rest of the show. All right. Hopefully, we are hyped up about a Pacers in-season tournament victory and not having Sam be angry that LeBron James won the first ever in-season tournament. Um, If he did, you'll never hear the end of it. But if he did, just know (laughs) the tournament's Mickey Mouse, which I'm sure I'll tell you later, or I already told you. Unless the Pacers won, then it's not Mickey Mouse. If the Pacers win, it's only a little Mickey Mouse. Fine tournament. Um. But we're going to talk about another one of Sam's favorite topics, Mr. Zion Williamson, because per Christian Clark, uh, I believe, what is Christian Clark for? NOP.com Pelicans. I just want to get the website correct and correctly. He writes for, he's a Pelicans beat reporter um, who writes for NOLA.com, N-O-L-A.com. He said, Williamson's poor work ethic has been a source of frustration for the Pelicans since they drafted him with the first overall pick in 2019. Pelicans have tried to surround Williamson with veterans who have track records of maximizing their potential. They signed Redick in 2019. 2022, they traded for CJ McComb. None of it's made an impact. Pelicans have repeatedly stressed to Williamson that his diet and conditioning needs to improve. Williamson, multiple team sources have told the uh, Times Picayune, doesn't listen. Uh, His trainer went to Instagram and posted a, you know, th- that quote or whatever and said, you know, shrug emoji, like, eh, don't know what to say. Uh, and then another picture when he was with him of Zion in shape and said, would you look at that? Like, <laughs> the good old days. This guy is uh, something. Zion is very easy to hate. Not only is he given some of the most incredible athleticism a lot of us have ever seen, but he's a prick to the team that drafted him. He clearly never wanted to be in New Orleans. He's expressed and hinted at multiple times wanting to leave, whether it's for the Knicks or you saw the video with him talking to the Bulls assistant from a year ago. And then he refuses to give the Pelicans his best effort by keeping himself in shape. Instead, he's sitting there slamming back Mountain Dews, eating all the fried food after signing a, what, 100... 50, 80 million extent dollar extension to, to stay with the team. So he's getting paid. He signed his NBA contract, not really a contract with the Pelicans, because he can just turn around and be like, hey, trade me or I'm not going to play. And I don't think anyone would be like, wow, I really think Zion loves the game so much that he's going to want to play. So he's going to end up requesting a trade out of there. And the Pelicans have put a good team around him. They they are trying. They were top of the West last year when he was actually healthy. The team this year went to the uh, the semis of this tournament. And why'd they lose? Because him and Brandon Ingram might have been out gambling and partying in Vegas the night before. And Zion was clearly out of shape. It was the whole talk of the game. People couldn't believe how fat he looked out on that court. I mean, if you're a Pelicans fan, you have to start to hate this guy. 
It, it can't be a fun guy to root for. He clearly doesn't care if he's helping the team win or fulfilling his duties with his maximum contract, rookie extension, whatever it is. It's awful. If I was a Pelicans fan, I would hate Zion. Yeah, it's pretty easy to. I mean, uh, so you, I'm, I usually try to be the optimist and like say, well, maybe it's just this is pretty damning. This, no, this is a pretty damning a quote. There's nothing he can do. <clears throat> this is bad. This is bad. Um, yeah, that's all I got. We can we can move on. Yeah, I'm just gonna let you rock with that. And Zion Fat, you're correct. Zion Fat. Um, I was on the Zion Fat train forever. Uh, last season, I said I don't think I've ever seen a player recover from being fat. We still haven't Zion seen Zion fully get back out there and actually help the Pelicans be a winning team. Instead, yeah, he's out there laughing before the semifinal with Brandon Ingram. He's getting roasted and called out by the organization and his former trainer. And then this video surfaces of him saying he wants to or being prompted on wanting to play for the Bulls. I mean, what a terrible investment of a top pick from the Pelicans. And believe me, at the time, it was a no-brainer move. Like, you can't blame them. But in hindsight, I mean, would Ja have been much better? I guess, yes, because he's actually been on the court for the bulk of his career, and he's just now starting to get Mm. into trouble. But they really, really must look back on that and been like, damn, we could have got Ja, who has made Memphis a competitive and fun team. And again, New Orleans has put players around him. McCollum, Brandon Ingram, uh, Valanchunas has been excellent for them. They drafted well. Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, all contributors to that team. Alvarado, somebody they like off the bench. That's a competitive roster. If you put a lot of other superstars around the league on that team, they would be successful and they'd be fun to watch. Instead, you have Zion who can't even get on the court because he's not putting his body in position to be out there consistently. It's disgusting stuff. If I if I was a Pelicans fan, I'd be beside myself. <clears throat> yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Um, speaking of somebody Sam doesn't like, Kyrie Irving got hurt last night uh, in the Mavericks game against the – who's the Mavericks playing last night? They <clears throat> against played, the Blazers. Uh, Portland. Um, Kyrie was on the ground. Dwight Powell came flying in for a rebound and landed on him. On his leg, it looked really bad. He didn't fly home with the Mavericks. He stayed in Portland to get it checked out. He was in a wheelchair. Um, however, per Shams uh, test show, Shams Sharani of the Athletic test show, Dallas Mavericks star Kyrie Irving has a keel contusion, avoiding substantial injury after Dwight Powell landed on his right leg. Uh, Irving is beginning treatment on the heel, and there is no timetable for his return. Regardless of your thoughts, this was a scary injury. This looked really bad when you watch the video. Let me, yeah, let me I'm glad it wasn't me. <laughs> I, I would not want to be laying there as a uh, seven-foot-tall guy falls right on my lower leg. But looks like Kyrie dodged a bullet, didn't really get severely injured, not to the degree he could have been by any means, which is good for him, good for Mavs fans. But, man, what a sequence this was. Just Oh, it looks so bad looking at it. He just looking at it, right I, on I didn't think it looked that crazy. Like I still don't think it looks that crazy to me. The only like knee jerk. Oh, I think this went wrong is I thought he might have hyperextended his knee. You don't yeah. see anything bend where it's not supposed to bend. I do think the heel gets caught a little bit into the ground. I don't know. It's just anytime you got a seven footer falling from that fall high into your leg, it's like hopefully everything's intact. The, the biggest risk is hyperextending the knee there and probably pulling something in the back of your leg. 
because you yeah. you bent your you had to pull quick on your what is it hamstrings yeah <clears throat> yeah but he's all right um all right next thing we have is the new york knicks so andrew gets a little bit of a chance to talk about the knicks um talk about how they fred, lost for per fred katz uh of the athletic the knicks or other teams around the league are eyeing emmanuel quickly um for a potential trade Katz also said that the Knicks could attack quickly Grimes and Evan Fournier and get a player back that's worth just above 20 million. My response to this, why why, why are you trading quickly? For like for, he's good, no. Am I crazy? What like what what, he's what good is for them? He fits in the six man role. Maybe they <laughs> think to themselves, well, if we trade quickly, there's more room for other guys to come off the bench. Like they have Brunson, so they really don't need to rely on the Backup True. guard spot too, too much. They would prefer to have Brunson out there as much as they can in the playoffs. They also probably like DiVincenzo Grimes and Josh Hart, who can all fill that two-guard role, even though Hart plays forward a lot. But I don't know. Who are you really getting back for $20 million? Would you do OG? Not if I'm the Raptors. Would you do quickly Fournier and like three firsts for OG? I don't know. We we talked about the Knicks first the last time, and I wasn't overly impressed. So, and you know, Ujiri is the stingiest GM out there. So I don't think that gets. Yeah, but done. three firsts are three firsts. I mean, he wanted three, three firsts first from the Grizzlies too. But then you also have to turn around as the Knicks and be like, "Well, I don't want to give up three firsts for OG." I don't know. <clears throat> I don't hate it. I think I think it would make them better overall I, I guess the fit would be better i'm trying to look around the league and see who else like would be if you do that intrigue, do you slide like... rj to shooting guard and then og the small forward is that what you would do yeah and then you can just bring dante divincenzo or josh hart and josh hart off the bench um and and then rock from there uh like is kuzma really that guy like is that i'm like i'm just looking at guys who you could trade like, could i don't know who i'd want to trade quickly for but i don't know if i'm trading quickly for him absolutely not that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying. like do you is quickly expiring he, at the end of this year they failed to come to an extension agreement with him right or did they pay him? yeah he needs he needs a new extension this summer like i don't Bad. think the nets are trading anybody of interest right like I don't think they're gonna be giving anything up. Do you go after like DeAndre Hunter? Like I, I'd rather OG at that point. Siakam, but then you got run into the clash. Like DeRozan, I'm not giving up quickly for Levine. I'm not giving up quickly for Caruso. I'm not giving up quickly for. I don't know, man. It's just weird, especially quickly and Grimes and Fortier. I was like, it just doesn't. For the Knicks, I don't know if I give it. up quickly for Caruso. <laughs> to your point, like I was thinking, I was like, oh, like I don't know, like Caruso is really good, but like. He does the same stuff as Josh Hart and Grimes and uh I'd rather I'd rather try to get away with just Steven giving Chenzo. up picks, is what I'm saying. I don't know. I'm sure. I don't like the 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 trade quickly angle. I, I don't not a fan. Um speaking of trades, the Indiana Pacers are reportedly interested in trading for a two-way wing. Um, this was reported by, I got to scroll all the way down the sheet because I have one monitor. Uh, Woj reported Pacers have, quote, have been aggressive in trying to trade for that big athletic two-way player that they need to build out this roster uh, with Halliburton as a centerpiece. He named Siakam and Ananobi as possible targets, uh, said the Pacers, quote, are willing to give up picks and assets uh, to acquire players because of the organization's confidence in its chances to re-sign them. If I'm the Pacers, I'm all in on OG. Um, Siaka maybe not as much because he's on a one-year deal on the wrist, but like both of those guys would be really, really, really good for that Pacers team. 
I think OG's the better fit. He's someone that needs the ball a lot less. I think that um, it's not a crazy storyline if he ends up there. It's something that was discussed over the summer from what we heard. They wanted to go the Pacers were kind of in on him and prodding at the Raptors, and the Raptors wouldn't do it. The Pacers do have Jarris Walker just kind of hanging out. He's not really playing a whole lot of minutes. Um, I don't know what else you would really throw at them, but maybe they could get Ujiri to let go of OG. Maybe that's a tough task. I don't think Ujiri wants to sell light on OG and Anobi. We have not heard his interest being piqued very much. But if he was to join the Pacers, I think it would be a great fit. He would be another good wing for them. He's strong. He can play both sides of the ball, just like they're looking for. And we've seen the Pacers beat some really good teams here early in the season, beat the Celtics, beat Milwaukee. Hopefully they beat the Lakers, who are kind of a good team, but maybe not. I don't know. I don't buy into them as much as the other two, that's for sure, even from an unbiased perspective. Um, But it would be fun to see Halliburton get some help. It would be even more fun if they were in the Western Conference, but they're not. So I, I don't know if I want to root for it too hard. I'd rather have both teams just be kind of incomplete. That'd be kind of nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I like both of them for him. I don't know who else they could go after for those wings. I think those are really the two ones. Mikael Bridges would be perfect, but I don't think Nets are going to give him up. Um, <clears throat> there's nobody really that fits that bill on any of the really bad teams. <clears throat> yeah, I think I think it's just those two in Toronto that you're going after. I think Caruso would be an okay fit. It might be a little awkward, but like I think he'd help them. Markkinen, if they can get him out of Utah, but I don't think Utah's selling. <clears throat> it, it's really just those Toronto guys, in my opinion. Paul George, if the Clippers blow it up, that'd be super fun. How great of a defender is Markkinen, really? Not super great, I don't think, but he's definitely longer, and he would significantly upgrade an offense that's already elite. Like, imagine him in that offense. Nuts. Yeah, that's um, not what they want. Paul George would be I'm funny really... if he went back to the Pacers, but that won't happen because the Clippers no. are too far in to sell anybody. They've sold their soul to James though. Harden. That would Foolish. be very cool. I would love if he went there. Well, maybe not for the Celtics, sake, but I think it'd be nope. fun. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the rat list. Wrap up good. here. Get cooking. Good, good. You want to go first? Yeah, rat list, the, uh, the air here. So the air yes. is not like low quality, but it's dry. It's dry compared to how it is in New England. There's not a lot of humidity here. Jack had to purchase a $10 stick of chapstick. My my throat is very dry. It feels like I'm sick, as if I have a scratchy throat, but I'm not sick. I, I it's, that's been me the whole trip. Sickness. Well, you you always have like a cough or something. It's true. It's true. But yeah, and I do feel the chapped lips a little bit. I don't think I'm as bad as Jack is, but I have a feeling of it. I went running today. I could feel it when I was out outside for a prolonged amount of time. Again, my throat is not feeling fantastic. It feels fine. I can talk, but it's not as fun to talk. So that's the number one rat list is that there's just dry air here. Mm -hmm. Agree. My number one, not close. People who walk slow. Yes. It's a a plague here. Uh, Sam has seen. So there's four of us here. Me, Sam, and two of Sam's friends, Devin and and Matt the Rat. I commonly walk ahead because we are stuck. As you should. Boom, Boom, boom. It's it's it is painstakingly slow how the speed that these people walk. It, it is Man, sometimes they just stop. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's truly unacceptable. They need to be jailed. They need to not be allowed to walk. It, be it, shoved it, in the back of the head. It's bad. No, jail, not jailed. Gone. It's 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 so bad. Like like 
especially the, so we walked through a construction zone today and there was one lane <laughs> awful oh, I, was, I was getting so mad all day it pissed me off ratlist walk faster Just don't be a fucking loser ratlist <laughs> ratlist the guy with the fucking snake on the side of the street <laughs> i kind of forgot about him till just now so on this trip, there's all kinds of people on the street trying to get your attention, whether they're doing magic tricks or they got the ladies out there wearing not a lot and trying to get you to take a picture with them or uh, the guys wearing not a lot or the guys wearing a lot dressed as characters. Then you have this fucker with the snake around his neck and he's like, <laughs> hey, like, come play with the snake. And I'm petrified of snakes. I don't think Jack likes snakes either. That should be fucking illegal. Keep that fucking snake away from me in, in the general public. I don't want to see a snake. When I was in sixth grade, they had like the the reptile people come in with all like the, the, the iguanas and whatever they fucking bring. They bring a snake in the bag. I went and I left. I went to the bathroom. I wasn't coming out. I don't want to deal with the snake. The snakes are fucking terrifying. It's the most terrifying thing I think there is. Our friend Devin uh, was out and said he got chased by the snake guy. <laughs> Dude, you should be able to hit the snake guy if he chases you. <laughs> bad. It was real or bad. Or like Mason. Yeah. I don't love Mason. I don't like the snake guy either. Um, uh, so we went to Jim Jeffries last night. Very funny. Excellent Recommend. show. Fantastic show. <laughs> Jim Jeffries fucking murdered. It, it was great. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the opening guys. Uh, I forget his name and I feel bad. But he comes out. He's telling a joke. And he's he's standing there, and this is he's like he's trying to think of his next jokes, and he's a bigger guy. He just goes, uh, fat, like he <laughs> just just like yeah, like owning up to it. He goes, uh, fat, and he goes, uh, you know, don't really care that I'm fat, don't have any interest in not being fat, fine being fat. And he goes, he goes, women still sleep with me even though I'm fat. Why would I run? And I've never felt more more of a better person than Sam than in that moment. <laughs> I felt validated. <laughs> it like gave me, it gave me like, you know what? Yeah, fuck running. It gave you like um, hope. Yeah, but no, not hope. What do you mean a hope? <laughs> uh, it makes me sound like a fucking charity case. But perhaps the best part of the show was the man. <laughs> the don't don't give away any material. I I don't think you're going to. But I, mean, I will. This, this I is just something just... that happened. This, you 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 tell it. That's all I was gonna say. I was just there. Should I tell the story? I don't want to give away material, but like, no, it's not really. Material. It's just it's he. So he's doing his his set, and this guy who was on an electric scooter decided he wanted to leave the show, and to leave the show, he had to back up. And when he was backing up, the scooter was beeping and it interrupted the comedian's set. And it was some of the greatest just improv <laughs> off the top of the head stuff I've ever seen. It was excellent. I laughed so fucking hard. And it was like the timing of it, like what he was talking about, like everything was just perfect. It, it made for a tremendous, tremendous like 10 minutes of the show. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was great. Jim Jeffries killed it. He was great. Uh, Ratlist Cowboys. Yeah. Um, so unbeknownst to us, the NFR was in town this season. I still don't know what NFR stands for. Do you know what it stands for? Uh, no. no. All you need to know, 
is that it's a rodeo. And so all we've seen this weekend is fucking cowboys. All the hats, Yeehaw. all the shit, all that going on. They've been here the whole time. They've been up and down the strip. A lot of cowboys. It's just that's it. That's the whole ratless. It's just ratless cowboys. Not like I don't. Not a fan of the cowboys. Too many of them. Jack doesn't too like many the cowboys. cowboys. Ratless the blackjack table today. Very uh, oh. difficult experience. Now, there's nothing wrong with losing at blackjack. When you lose at blackjack, it happens. Oftentimes, if I lose at the table, I still have a good time. Like it's an enjoyable experience. But this was just not enjoyable. There was no. There was not even any light at the end of the tunnel. There was no hope given. There was nothing. It was it was 6, 16. It was 15, 13, 12s against a 10. And then every time the dealer had a bus card, there was a 10. There was not a 10 underneath, and they ended up getting 20 or 21. It was just a ruthless session at the table. It took. I played a while. I didn't get cleaned right away, but it was a disgusting maybe 20 30 minutes whatever we sat there for it was painful it was it was one of the least enjoyable sessions i've ever played at and we both i was lost. also at the table yeah. yeah i was gonna say we both lost it was bad very bad <clears throat> um i'm trying to think if i have any more rat list I, I think that's pretty good i don't know if i had anything else i, I, I feel like there's more in my head <clears throat> i think that about covers it though yeah. yeah, I don't have anything right now. I think that's good. All right. Well, in that case, thank you all for listening. We appreciate you very much. Make sure to subscribe to How About Them Celtics. Uh, again, we might be testing out different thumbnails over the coming week or so or two weeks. So make sure to check our page. Uh, we're still posting every day. So if you if you don't see a video pop up in your feed or you don't recognize one, check the page. Video will be there. Don't worry about it. Um, thank you all for tuning in. Subscribe to How About Them Celtics. Leave us a review on Apple, please. And I'll let Sam wrap it up. Hey, thank you very much for listening or watching. If you're watching, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the notification bell. Don't miss any of our uploads. We do these pods, game recaps, reaction videos, trade rumor things. Uh, the pregame streams are a half hour before every single game. They're a blast. Make sure you join and hang out. It's always a lot of fun. You can also find... The full-length pods and game recaps on Spotify and Apple. If you just want the audio versions of those, you can follow on both of those platforms. Leave a nice five-star review for us. You can also find us, if you want to get in touch with us, at hbtcpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on socials at How About Them Cs, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Facebook is just the name of the podcast. You can find all pregame streams there as well. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Jacksmo NBA. You can follow me at Sam and France NBA. That's it for us, guys.